Good morning, everyone. I hope you're doing well this morning. For those of you I don't know, my name's Todd. I'm so glad that you are here uh, today and um, that you are here worshiping with us. We're so glad that you made time to be here today. Well, we're going to jump in and we're going to dive in real quick. I, I just want to kind of take a moment before we do that to bring you up to speed. We're in this series called Second Chances. And we are in the last, the fifth and last installment of that series uh, called Second Chances. And um, I don't know about you, but this has been a very good series for me, um, just in leading up to it, studying and, and uh, trying to find out more about uh, how we should live our lives within the second chances that God offers. And so just for a moment, I just want to do a review to, to bring you up to speed for, for those of you who maybe haven't been here over the past uh, few weeks um, and I want to encourage you to go to, you can go to our website and you go to iTunes and you can listen uh, to the podcast that we put up each week. Well, in week one, we talked about the fact that God offers each one of us the possibility of a second chance in life. And we talked about the fact that there's a gap between a perfect God and our sins and that Jesus fills that gap, his death and his burial and his resurrection on the cross. And all we have to do to accept and get that second chance in life to have eternity with him in heaven is to have faith in the fact that he died for us. And so we just admit that we're sinners and we have faith that Jesus is our salvation. And in week two, we talked about the fact that as much as we don't have anything to do with the second chance that God offers through Jesus Christ. We talked about the fact that if we want to be a person that lives a second chance on a daily basis, that we have to put ourselves in a position to do that. That we need to put ourselves in a position to receive from God a second chance that, let's face it, we all need on a regular basis. And we talked about doing things in your life that will help further your walk or your journey with God. In week three, it was Mother's Day, we looked at Jesus and some of the second chances that he offered to women, and we learned that we can follow in that model and be second chance givers. And last week, we talked about how God has given us a second chance. Others have given us a second chance, but sometimes we don't give ourselves a second chance. And we talked about how we can give ourselves a second chance in life. Today, we kind of bring all that to a conclusion. We kind of bring it all to kind of, a, a, I guess, a, a point here because there's, there's been a tension that's been underlying throughout this whole series, all five weeks of the series, and I've, I've kind of referenced this tension, um, but, but we really haven't unpacked it. And today, I, I hope to unpack this tension that, that the second chance life has kind of inherently within it. There was a, a famous poet and author who wrote a book, A Rage for Life, and her name is Dorothy Sayer, and she, she wrote this in the book, A Rage for Life. She said, the divine scheme of things, as Christianity understands it, is at once extremely elastic and, on the other hand, extremely rigid. It is, it is elastic in that it includes a large measure of liberty for the creature, that's us. It is rigid in that it includes the provisio that however created beings choose to behave, please don't miss this, she says they must accept responsibility of their own actions and endure the consequences. And I love how that's written because I think it gives us a really good picture of the tension that kind of is just inherently included in the second chance grace that God offers us. 
And the tension is how in the scheme of freedom, in the arena of freedom and grace, how in the world do we live our lives? How in the world do we, do we go through life? If God has offered us 100% grace for all of those sins, all of those failures, all of those errors that we've made in life, if God's grace is truly unlimited, and I want to tell you today that it absolutely is, if God's grace is 100% unlimited, then can't we just live our lives the way that we want to live our lives, right? I mean, think about it with me for a moment. If it's truly unlimited grace, which it is, then why can't we just live our lives? Why can't we just go on feeding our own pleasure and not worrying about the results of our choices and the results of our actions? I mean, God's grace, we talked about throughout this whole series, is good enough for all of that. And I want you to hear this morning, it is. It absolutely is. But in that context, the tension that exists is there's got to be a standard for living, right? There has to be a standard for living. And so the question that I want us to wrestle with today is what will I do with my second chance life? What will I do with the second chance that God has given me? How will I treat the grace that he's given me, because we have a choice in how we treat the grace that God has given us. We've used a very simple definition of grace all throughout the series. I want you to take a look today at your notes. You can take a look at the screens, or you can jump online at our, our uh, free Wi-Fi and get online and access the notes there. What is grace? Grace is undeserved mercy. Grace is just simply undeserved mercy mercy. And the problem is, is that when we look at our lives and when we kind of consider the choices that we make and the decisions that we make in life, if we truly, if we truly believe that God's grace is unlimited, then if we take that thinking to its extreme, we can live a life without any boundaries, making every choice that completely fulfills our life. But then if we live according to some kind of you know, system, whether it's man-made or whether it's the Old Testament law or whatever, then we're completely living under this kind of legalism of living by rules. And both ends of those spectrum, this idea of complete freedom without any consequences, and this idea of living a legalistic life beholden to rules, both extremes are incredibly, incredibly dangerous. And so we have to ask ourselves the question, what do we do with the second chance that God has given us? Uh, listen, this, this tension that we're talking about today is nothing new. And it's interesting because sometimes we, we kind of get, like, get internal, we, we maybe get introspective. And we, we think, how, how am I going to treat that second chance life? How am I going to treat the grace that God's offered me? But most often, we ask it about other people, don't we? Like, you know, I, I see them, I see my friend, I see my family member making these choices because they know they have salvation and they just continue in their old life. They continue in their sin and their, their failures and, and, and it causes this tension in us. This is nothing new. The first century culture was dealing with this too. 
You see, because Jesus came to this world, and he said that he came to complete or to fulfill that Old Testament law. And so in the first century culture of that day, for the Jewish people and those who were Jews that had become Christian, they were trying to grapple with this underlying tension of how in light of the freedom and the grace that God gives, how should I live? You see, the Jewish people, the Jewish leaders of the day, were looking at the Christ followers. Jesus was now gone. They were looking at the Christ followers, and they were, they were concerned because they, they heard this message of unlimited grace, but they were completely afraid of chaos. And the Apostle Paul, one of the first really fathers of the church, the writer of most of the New Testament, addressed this because he was concerned also that Christians would take too much of advantage of the grace that God offers us. And so he answered this question in one of the most pivotal chapters in all of Scripture, Romans chapter 6. And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Romans chapter 6. If you don't have them, the words will be on the screen this morning, and we will walk through Romans chapter 6. I'm going to read the first 16 verses of Romans chapter 6 and give us the context of what's going on here. And I'm going to be reading today from the ESV. Let's take a look at this. Paul says this, what shall we say then? Now, now let's pause for a moment. The first few books of Romans kind of leads, leads the Christ follower. If you read the first like, few books of, of the book of Romans, this letter that Paul was writing to the church in Rome, it leads you to, to understand that we have freedom from the, the old law. And so then he says this in Romans chapter 6, in light of that, what shall we say? That's the pivotal question, isn't it? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means, he says. How can we, who died to sin, still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him in baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Let me stop there for a moment. When we do baptism here in a few weeks, for those of you who have said yes to Jesus over the past few weeks, um, we will get in the Atlantic Ocean and we will not lose you, I promise. And I also promise that it's warm, okay? So those are two very positive things about baptism. But one of the things that I say when we're baptizing people, as we baptize them, I say, you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, and in obedience to his command, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then as you go into the water, I say, buried with him in his death, and raised to walk in newness of life. Because baptism doesn't give you salvation. Baptism is a public declaration that you are a Christ follower, and that you're going to walk in that newness of life. Okay, let's keep reading. Verse 5, for, we, for if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him, in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. We're going to come back to that idea of slavery to sin in a moment. Verse 7. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also 
live with him. For the death he died, he died to sin once and for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourself dead to sin. I want to read that again. So you also must consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members, that's your body, as sins of instrument for unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as those who have been brought from death into life. And your members to God as instruments for righteousness, for sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but you are under grace. And then in verse 15, he kind of goes back to a similar question that he asked in verse 1. He says, what then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means, he says the same thing. Do you not know that if you present yourself to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? Paul, in this passage, answers that question. And it's a passage that's a little bit difficult to understand, let's face it. It's a little bit difficult to understand. My purpose today is to give you four handles from this passage on how you can live your life. I want you to capture this in the context of the second chance grace and the second chance freedom that God offers through Jesus Christ. Let's dive into these points this morning. Point number one, we must be reminded that the second chance life is, in fact, a life of freedom. Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, in the, churches, in the letter that he writes to the churches in the area of Galatia, he says this, for freedom, Christ has set us free. When we think of that word, when we think of those words, second chances, I think one of the things that comes to mind is freedom, isn't it? And we talk about people who um, may have been incarcerated and then they're, they're set free and they have a second chance. Or, or someone who you know, has destroyed a relationship, but God leads them to another and they, they have a second chance. And there's freedom in that. Some of you have um, become Christ followers and you've had a, a lifestyle that you've just has really captivated you and completely kept you enslaved and you've been set free from that and there's freedom in that. But the question is, what do we do with that freedom? What do we do with that freedom? And that's where the tension lies. We have to understand that the second chance life is in fact a life of freedom. Are you going to squander it, or are you going to take advantage of it? And if you're here today and you've squandered a part of your life, you've got to realize that you have another second chance, and another second chance, and another second chance, because second chance living is a life of freedom. The pivotal question that I want you to answer, just personally, internally, think about this, is in light of that freedom, how should we live? In light of that freedom, how should I live my life? How should I live my life? That's the question that Paul asks. Take a look at point number two as we answer some of those questions and give some guidelines for some of the answers to that. We must recognize, point number two, that doing whatever pleases us is not freedom. We must recognize that doing whatever pleases us is not freedom. We've talked about the second chance life and how we have freedom, we have grace, we have the opportunity to walk in this newness of life. But continuing in that, 
continuing in that and doing what we want to do. Things that give us pleasure. Things that make us prideful about ourselves. That is not true freedom. Let let me stop for a moment. It feels like freedom, doesn't it? It feels like freedom. Like, man, God's given his grace. I can just continue to do whatever I did before. It feels like freedom. But Paul says that it's not true freedom. See, freedom without limits will ultimately, at some point in time, result in a loss of future freedom. It will. Freedom without limits will ultimately equal a loss of freedom. And as Christ followers, we are not to treat the grace that God gave through Jesus recklessly. We're supposed to take every advantage that we can to use that grace and do something amazing for him. I love verses 15 and 16 of Romans 6. Take a a look at it. He says, what then? We're going to repeat it, and then I'm going to look at it in a different version. He says, what then? Are we to sin because we're not under the law but grace? Like, I don't have to live that old way. Jesus came to complete that old law, all those Old Testament laws that sometimes are confusing. Jesus came to complete or fulfill them. He says, are we dead to sin because we're not under law but grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourself to anyone as obedient slaves, please don't miss this, that you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either of sin which leads to death or of obedience which leads to righteousness. If you present yourself to anyone or to anything or to any attitude or to any action, you will become slave of that thing. It will control you. It will take your life, not give you new life. It will control the way you think and your attitudes and ultimately your actions. I want to read the message version. Actually, it's a paraphrase. It's not a version. Eugene Peterson wrote the Bible in kind of modern-day language in kind of like a, a way to help us understand it. Look at what he says here in verses 15 through 18. He says... So since we're out from under the old tyranny, that's the law, does that mean we can live any old way we want? Since we're free in the freedom of God, can we do anything that comes to mind? Hardly, he says. You know well enough from your own experience that there are some acts of so-called freedom that destroy freedom. If I drive down I-95. We are going to Atlanta later today to spend some time with my in-laws. And if we drive down I-95, going to I-16, the most boring stretch of interstate in the southeast, if we drive I-95, and today I drive 110 miles an hour down I-95, and I get caught, my heart will be pumping, the adrenaline will be going, the kids will be screaming, and Cynthia will be telling me to slow down, right? And then I get pulled over, and I'm all excited because I got to do something that I wanted to for a very short period of time. And I'll get pulled over, and what will happen? I will have a loss of freedom, right? See, some acts of freedom end up resulting in a loss of future 
freedom. And we as Christ followers need to understand that. The Bible is clear on certain things, certain things and boundaries, but there's a tremendous amount of freedom in Christ where you and I make decisions and choices. And God's word says that in terms of that freedom, we need to make choices that don't allow grace to increase. The question, the pivotal question that I want you to ask is have you participated in acts of freedom that have destroyed your freedom? Have you participated in acts of freedom that have destroyed your freedom? I think we all probably can answer yes to that. At some point in time, have we participated in acts of freedom that have destroyed freedom? My real question to you today is where are you now with that? How are you doing right now, today, on the Sunday before Memorial Day, 2014, how are you doing in that area? Are you participating in acts of freedom that will eventually cost you more freedom? Third lesson that we can learn. We must realize that we will never experience true freedom in Christ without a consistent personal relationship with God. We have to realize, those of you who are Christ followers, we have to realize that we will never experience true freedom in Christ without a consistent personal relationship with God. You see, at the center of this tension that lies between like living like we want without any rules and living under the law, our choices, right? It's our choices. We have a decision to make, and those decisions come on a regular basis. They come on a daily basis, as a matter of fact. We have freedom choices, and without God's Spirit leading and guiding us, I want you to hear this, Christ follower, without His Holy Spirit leading and guiding you, and without His Word, the Word of God, that gives us those principles in life on how to live God's best, without those things, we will live a life of freedom that is reckless and not a life of freedom that is pleasing to God. I want you to hear this today. Your own personal walk with God, if you are a Christ follower here today, your own personal journey is essential to make sure that you and your life understand and are living in the middle of that tension between living a legalistic life under the law and living a life of reckless freedom. It all comes down to the time you spend with him on a regular and consistent basis. Even David, even David, the psalmist, you know, King David, one of the kings of Israel, the, 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 the king of Israel that God said he was a man after my own heart. Even he struggled with this. Look at what he says in Psalm 119, 10 and 11. He says, my whole heart, I seek you. There's the desire. He's got the desire. We all probably have the desire to be close to God, don't we? But he says this, let me not wander from your commandments. You sense the tension there? He struggled with this. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up. Now, here's what he does that we need to learn from. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. 
You see, there's, there's a struggle there with David. But he realized that for him to live a life of true freedom, not freedom that leads to loss of freedom, for him to live a life of true freedom means that he needs to be walking in step with God. I think that the two things that we absolutely need that are essential for our walk with God is spending time in his word and spending time with him. And I want to challenge you and encourage you, if you're here today and you are a Christ follower, this part of the Christian life you are responsible for. This part of the Christian life, if you've been going through a period of your, your life where may, maybe you've become ambivalent about God, maybe you've become a, a little bit passive about God, M- maybe, maybe you're just kind of dry in terms of him, this is something that, that I want to challenge you and, and, and encourage you to commit to working on. You are responsible for spending time with him. Students, your parents can't make you do this. Your parents can't force you to read God's word and spend time with him. I want to encourage you to make that a practice in your life, students. Adults, there's no one, including me, that can make you do that. There's no one, including me, that can convict you of sin. That can cause you to have moments where you confess to God the things that maybe you're doing that will result in a loss of freedom. This is really up to the individual Christ follower. It's my job as your pastor to challenge and really to kind of provoke and to tell you and teach you what the Bible says about certain things. But I want you to hear this this morning. It is your responsibility to have a regular, consistent journey with God. And it's everything in terms of understanding the tension that exists between legalism and freedom. And so I want to ask you today, Are you taking personal responsibility for the choices that you make in light of the freedom that you have in Christ? Ask that question yourself. Am I serious? Am I really taking personal responsibility? Or have I I kind of given up? Have I abdicated that responsibility to someone else? Husbands, have you abdicated that responsibility to your wives? Or maybe wives to your husbands? Or students to your parents? or many of you to your church, these things are your responsibility and your responsibility alone. So am I taking personal responsibility for the choices I make in light of the freedom I have in Christ? Point number four, and lastly, we must respond to the freedom we have in Christ with a lifestyle that brings glory to God. Here's the answer to the tension. This is the answer to the tension. If we live our lives with complete recklessness in our choices, it will lead to a loss of freedom. If we live our lives completely beholden to a list of rules that Jesus came to fulfill, we will never have any freedom at all. So both extremes, please don't miss this, lead to a loss of freedom. But right in the middle of that is living for the glory of God. Is treating your body and your life and your attitudes and your actions in such a way that your life is glorifying to God? Romans 6.13, don't let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourself completely to God. For you were dead, 
But now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right. For what? The glory of God. Paul also talks about this in 1 Corinthians. Love this. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, whom you have from God? Your whole body is his temple. God's spirit, when you say yes to Jesus, God's Holy Spirit resides now in you. Christ follower. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. It is our tendency as humans to see how long we can carry our sin with us in the light of the freedom that God gives us in Jesus Christ. That's not unique to you, and it's not unique to me. That is called being a human. But we want to carry that with us as long and as far as we possibly can until the red lights start going off, loss of freedom ahead. And then finally, we drop it, or we don't, and we have the loss of freedom. That's not the way to live the Christian life, is it? That's not living in step with God's Holy Spirit. So the last question that I want you to ask is, is my mindset, how far can I go with my freedom or is it how can I please God with my freedom? See, that's the bottom line. How can I please God with the freedom he's given me? That's the answer. Glorifying him. That's the sweet spot of living the second chance life of freedom and of grace. That we make choices that glorify God. And when we do that, no longer do we ask the question about how far can I carry my sin and my lifestyle with me and the freedom that God has offered. We're asking a new question. I would imagine that there are some of you today who need to ask a new question. Abraham Lincoln said that freedom is not the right to do what we want, but what we ought. Love that. Freedom is not the right to do what we want, but what we ought. And he says, let us have faith that right makes might. And in that faith, let us, to the end, dare to do our duty as we understand it. What are you going to do with the freedom God's given you in the Second Chance Life? Check out the screens this morning.
pray with me this morning? Father God, on this weekend, when we celebrate freedom because of those who have died before, God, we celebrate the freedom that we have in you because you died for our sins. Thank you, Father, for the gift of eternal life that we all can have if we put our faith in you. And God, today, as we have wrapped up this series, I just want to pray for the Christ follower. Father God, I pray your blessing on them. To, ha- to know, to be able to know how then we should live. Father God, give us the discernment, give us the peace, give us the wisdom to make choices and decisions that are absolutely pleasing to you. Help us, God, not to ask the question, how far can I take my old lifestyle and my own old sin in the freedom that I've been given? But God, help us to be people who ask at every turn, at every decision, how, God, can I please you? Challenge us, convict us, and encourage us on this second chance freedom life, God. Thank you so much for changed lives And thank you for moving and working. We thank you for the work that you're doing in the midst of our church. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Well, I want to let you know about a few things here this morning as we wrap up. Uh, First of all, um, in June, uh, coming up, which is, you know, just like at the end of this coming week, uh, June 14 through 21, we have a missions team that is going to work with our missions partner, uh, Roe Kids in San Marcos, a village in Belize. And um, on, on uh, June the 8th, we're going to be praying for that team in here in our services on June 8th and, and, and praying uh, the blessing on those 16 people who are going to be going to a foreign country to serve, to serve God. Um, but I have some great news to tell you today that um, because of your gifts, many of you have given to this, and because of the gifts of many people that um, these 16 people know, um, each person on that team has completed their financial commitment to the trip. And so we are all green lights go on that. So that's great news. I want to encourage you to be here on June 8th, especially as we pray for the Belize team. Secondly, I want to give you a very good update on our Maximum Impact campaign. Um, Our pledge uh, total has increased by quite a bit. We are at just under $160,000, and uh, there's been $75,000 that has been given. So we are under the $25,000 mark to go for the first part of that, which will help us to renovate a lot of our office space uh, to prepare a way for our new preteen ministry called Ignite. And uh, we're very excited about that. I want to thank you for those of you who have committed and are giving to Maximum Impact. I want to thank those of you who are giving each and every week to the ministry here at Hilton Head Island Community Church. Thank you so much for your generosity. Um, Lastly, I'm going to ask Cody to come on up here. And the bit of news that I have to share today, man, it's, it's... kind of sad news. It is sad news. And I've just asked Cody to to be up here today. Um, Cody has been our student pastor for the past almost two years, nearly two years. Um, He and Maddie, his wife Maddie, um, accepted our call to be our student pastor, um, and they moved from Texas out here two years ago. And um, I I, I just, he's done an amazing job with our students. And uh, he approached me a while ago, uh, actually back in March, and told me that um, God has called him out of student ministry and into a new ministry, which is going to be like an a associate senior pastor or even a senior pastor or lead pastor role. 
<laughs> he said last week that he has to start tucking in his shirt and wearing loafers, which don't buy that, man. Don't buy that. Okay. That's just me. Okay. I got the button up shirt. Though. You do have the button up shirt. You look nice, one. man. I love it. I love it. Um, so Cody and I've had some, some really good uh, conversations over these past few months together and um, we're excited about this journey at the same time very sad that they're going to be leaving us um, but Cody when you told me this news um, back in March you had a verse and I just want you to share that verse with us today that God gave you to confirm this new call in your life definitely um, it's kind of funny because I was doing a Bible study in Colossians and as we were doing this Bible study something really talked on my heart uh, it's from uh, Paul wrote the Church of Colossians in chapter 1, verses uh, 25. It says, I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that, has, that was given to me for, to you to make the word of God fully known. And then he ends with, says that we, we proclaim in him, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ." And I was one of those guys who were like, you know what, I'm a youth minister for life. <laughs> and when I read that verse of making God's word fully known and presenting everyone mature in Christ, God was working on me in that. And he was like, it's not just about students, but it's about their parents. It's not just about their parents, it's about their grandparents. It's not even about, it's beyond just, just families, but it's for singles, divorcees, all of that presents everyone mature in Christ. And so that's why I was like, okay, all right, God, that's, I'm going to step out in that faith and make your, your word fully known. Awesome, man. Awesome. And I just, I just want to let you know, I, I support uh, Cody and his new call, um, his uh, new chapter that he's going to be facing in ministry. And um, one of the things that you told me is you're going to fast track seminary. Um, and uh, you've, you've got, uh, I, I need to like fast track seminary too, but he, you're really going to do it. And so this summer and this fall, you're going to try to get as, I mean, you're going to try to complete it. Um, tell us how we can be praying for you and Maddie um, in this next phase and chapter of life. Definitely. Uh, one of the one ways that you can definitely pray for us is, uh, you know, we don't know what that next step is. You know, we, we, we're praying for that door to open for us for not only just for us to, to take a job, but take a calling. Mm. We don't want to jump on the next thing of like, oh, that seems convenient. No, we want to be, no, we're called mm. to that position, to that church. And so we would love for you guys to be praying for us for, for the next calling uh, in position rather than just, you need a job, Cody. <laughs> um, so, uh, and then the next thing, uh, you know, this lift up Maddie and I, you know, we've only been married for almost two years and she hasn't killed me yet. Uh, which is a great. Uh, so pray for us as we're in this midst of uncertainty, though we grow stronger together in our marriage uh, flourishes. Yeah. Well, um, I, I remember being where you were, Cody, and um, uh, God called Cynthia and I out of the church that we were at in Atlanta, and our time there had to end um, because he was calling us to a, a new season of ministry. It was something different than we were doing on our current staff. And so I know that uncertainty, and I, I understand that. And I want to let you know that, that we are going to be praying for you guys, and we're supportive of you. And I, I'm excited. I'm sad, but I'm excited about the future for you. I think God has amazing things in store for Cody and for Maddie and wherever that next new place is. Um, he is going to be actually next Sunday. He's going to be with us for Grad Sunday, and then he's going to be 
hitting seminary hard, so you, you won't see him much after June 1st. Next Sunday is his last official day uh, with us, um, but he's going to be around. He and Maddie will be around in the community and that sort of thing, so, um, so I want to encourage you to uh, get with him and encourage him. Would you do this? Would you stand up? And I want us to pray for um, Cody and for Maddie, and so if you um, would for me, just reach out your hand in support of him, and uh, let's pray for their next chapter and their next season in life. Um, God, I just thank you so much uh, for Cody and his life, his calling. God, I understand that sometimes that changes, and I just pray your blessing on he and Maddie. God, I pray that you would make the path straight. God, I pray that you would um, arrange in your supernatural, divine way that church that is the next calling for them. God, not the next job, but the next calling. And I pray that you would go before them on that. And God, I pray in the strong name of Jesus that you would be with their marriage. God, grow, grow them in you, Father, together as a young couple. And God, I pray that you would be pleased with everything that they do and everything that they say. And God, I pray that our church, your church, God, would honor Cody and Maddie and that we would be praying for them in this new chapter of life. God, I thank you for the work that he's done with our students. And God, I thank you so much for the investment that he's made. His fingerprint will always be here on Hilton Head Island Community Church. And God, we bless them and we send them in, into the kind of unknown in this new chapter of life. And we pray that you would guide and direct them. In Jesus' strong name, I pray. Amen. Amen. I was yes, going to say uh, thank you, parents, and thank you guys for allowing me to speak into your guys' lives, but also thank you so much for allowing me to speak into your students. It's been a pleasure to be uh, up here and back there and talking to you all. Um, just as much as we think that we made a fingerprint here, you guys have blessed us and made a fingerprint in our lives. And I just want to let you guys know that Sunday night, tonight, is the last night for high school, and Wednesday will be the last uh, Wednesday for the school year. So please, middle school, high school students, come see us, talk to us. Thank you very much. That's awesome. Why don't you give it up for Cody this morning? Now, I want to encourage you, if you're a student or a parent of a student, um, we've got plans for the summer. Um, we've got the missions trip where seven of our students uh, are going on that trip. And uh, I want to encourage you to go to the guest service desk. We have a, uh, uh, a little flyer there for you that gives the summer schedule. We've got uh, several people who volunteered to be a part of the leadership team for that. And uh, we're excited about the summer. We are actively already uh, interviewing who's going to fill those huge shoes that Cody has made here. And I want to encourage you that my prayer and my goal is to have someone in place by the beginning of school this, uh, this fall. And so we're excited about that and sad to see them leave, but excited about their future. I want to thank you so much for being here today. I hope you have a great and safe uh, Memorial Day. We'll see you next Sunday.